try to be brave Pretend there's nothing wrong But you need a little help, child To make you feel strong You know, lots of people love you So don't let go So there you go, I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, September 10th. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We don't do prayers and we don't do buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at our history, oppression, survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us, and we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk Native. But first, let me remind people that our show does stream live on our website, which is www.letstalknative.com, and we stream live video of the show on Facebook Live on various group pages that my wife is, at this very moment, sharing <laughs> across the across Facebook. Um we do take the show and we put it up as a podcast after our live broadcast. And uh, by tomorrow evening, we'll have the video up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. I encourage people to subscribe to our podcast and to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can catch all that we're, we're doing here. Um, again, I am the host and producer of the show, and I'm joined in studio by Jake Proud, who's managing our video and our sound. Um, look, I... Today is a is kind of a serious subject, and you know part of it is a, is an issue that uh, that I have certainly I know people fairly close to me that uh, have um, not just attempted suicide, but uh, that that have committed suicide. So I want to talk about this, and and part of the impetus here is a post that uh, that I saw on Facebook and that that I shared on my page. Um, that talked about a USA Today article that ran back in June, and it cited a bunch of stats from various places, like the uh, Institute for uh, for Justice, National Institute for Justice, the, the Center for Disease Control, uh, and various organizations. But the numbers that that really jumped out um, were specifically towards Native people, and according to the, to the CDC, the incidence of suicide for native women has increased 139 percent since 1999 that's 20 years 139 percent just for native women native men the numbers still spike but not not nearly as high it's um it's it's 71 percent now the national average is up uh 39 percent but think about that native women are 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 four times the 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 likelihood is a fourfold increase over the national average the the men are, are double the national average. I mean, these are incredible numbers. And of course, the article goes on to you know to have you know some causation or correlation, depending on how you want to look at it. But blame they blamed it on on poverty. Um, experts blame poverty, substance abuse, unemployment, and isolation. You know, isolation being in, in their estimation. Um, contributes because of the lack of uh, mental health care. I don't disagree with the, the isolation issue because I think the isolation issue contributes to many of the other other factors. But 
even if you're going to cite things like poverty, substance abuse, unemployment, you're not explaining why that exists. I mean, let's let's be honest. This is about U.S. policy that you know, that that put Native people in in the situations of isolation, in situations where there is no hope for the future in terms of economic growth. I mean, you can go on to many Native territories, and the, and the haves and have-nots are uh, run strictly along the lines of those that are in tribal government and those who aren't. I mean, it's only you know, tribal government employees, you know, not just counselors, but tribal government employees who have decent jobs. The vast majority of Native people, the grassroots Native people, are living in poverty, abject poverty. And I'm not talking about the U.S. I'm talking about Canada and the U.S., which is where these problems you know, arise. And the other thing I, I, I really need to highlight is these numbers that talk about men and women, they aren't even breaking out boys and girls, young men, young women. I mean, it, a few years back, any youth suicide, underage suicide, children committing suicide, those weren't even numbers they kept track of. They, they wrote those off as, a, as statistical anomalies. They were just so rare. I mean, the, the idea of a, of, a, of a child suicide was essentially unheard of. I mean, and not just for Native people, across any, uh, any of the lines. You know, in 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 a, in recent times, it has been increasingly an issue. In fact, it was only a few years ago that we saw a rash of um, uh, suicide packs, especially through Ontario and various places. Where and and this was true in particular with, with young girls, uh, um, you know, hi, high school, middle school girls agreeing to do a suicide pack and, and I mean devastating communities there were three four five girls at, at one time were, were were committing suicide together so these are the I mean these are the numbers and and they are staggering but if we're going to really talk about the numbers for one thing I, I gotta almost in, in a way and I don't want to dispute the alarming nature of these numbers but here's where the numbers get a little fuzzy because especially with, with women this whole missing and murdered indigenous women thing, let's let's be clear here. It is real easy for law enforcement, including tribal law enforcement, mind you, to write off the deaths of, of these women, some many, many of these women, as suicides. Look, it's easy. You write them off as suicides, then you don't have to investigate. You can close the file on it. You don't have to investigate. You don't have to look for anybody. You don't have to, you have to look for a culprit or a reason. You just write it off as suicide. Ah, mental health issue. And some of these uh, th- these deaths aren't suicides. And it's not just for women either. They do the same thing with men. So when you look at the, at these numbers, ah, uh, you know, 139, you know, percent increase. I I believe it's high. But I question that. Now here's the other way. <laughs> here's where the numbers may be lower. I mean, when you say that substance abuse uh, leads to these suicides. I say sometimes that substance abuse is the suicide. I think there's a real blurry line between an overdose and a suicide for some people. Now, look, there's no question that some people are, uh, you know, are medicating themselves with, you know, with really harsh um, substances, including uh, fentanyl and you know heroin, uh, uh, you know, uh, meth, all, all of the stuff. I mean, and and alcohol. But at some point. That line between using a substance to an extreme 
is not just an escape from the harshness of life, but it may be, I mean, it, it may be an escape from life life uh, completely. I mean, when we talk, you know, there's a song that talks about somebody putting a bottle to his head and pulling the trigger. Look, you can kill yourself with alcohol. It's been done. Although it's not documented that well. So when we talk about people who have, are killing themselves, look, we're killing ourselves in, 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 and not just suicides or what is being listed as suicides. Lots of this, the substance abuse, it, it, there's no other way to describe it except for a giving up of life. So we got to get to the to the real issue here. And 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 we've talked about it here on the show before and and some of that real issue is really has almost everything to do with the conditions on our territory. And it isn't just that we have unemployment. I mean there's there's not even an opp- opportunity for um for for economic development. So you you have a few things that that can happen. I mean, look, we, we've got tobacco and and we have gaming, maybe some fuel stores. But in this in this world where you can do so much online, of course, we don't have very good internet on most of our territories either, so that that's difficult. I mean, there's some basic infrastructure needs. Not you know the fact that we that many of our territories are really isolated. I mean, and when I say isolated, I mean miles and miles away from uh, what you would consider a consumer base. But there still has to be some economic opportunities, and not just the the extractive industries, not just raping the land for for timber or or coal or or oil or gas. I mean, look, there's, we have to do better. And you know, part of when we talk about poverty, it isn't just poverty. It gets back to a little bit of what I was saying before. It's the haves and the have-nots. So, if you've got even within native territories this huge disparity for income. Not just gender disparity, but I mean, for those who are on the on the in, you know, with tribal councils, you know, or those who have you know, you know, done whatever they could do to make themselves wealthy, and leaving many everybody else behind, that leads to the, so the economic disparity is part of the problem too. And like I said, I mentioned that when I talk about law enforcement uh, writing off many of these deaths as suicides that may not really be suicides, I did include. Uh, the native law enforcement, tribal police, BIA police, all of these. Because, look, these guys are, are part of that system. Look, when I posted the article and a link to the article, I, I posted it with my with my own sarcasm. I said, yeah, how's that assimilation working out? How's all that praying in their churches and voting in their elections working out? It sure isn't sh- uh, shutting down any of the suicide, right? And I mean that because, because again, when you want to talk about some of the issues, these issues aren't just about poverty. They're about identity. It's, it's about a history. It's what the United States has done to Native people. I mean, most Native people are at some level conflicted about their identity. Look, they don't know if they're, are, am I an American? I mean, can I be a U.S. citizen and still be a, a citizen of my, you know, my Native peoples? I mean, do those words even work? No, and no, they don't. But uh, I mean, these are the conflicts. We got people telling us, "Oh, you know, uh, you know, join a church." I mean, Native people have, have bought into the, into Christianity and in, in every denomination, from Mormonism to to Catholicism, in a big way. How's that worked out? I mean, these many of these churches 
have played a big role in the the sexual violence. Uh, uh, you know, the the, 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 the the sexual abuse against Native people, boys and girls. Obviously, the Catholic Church and the Baptists uh, are, have been in the in the news lately. I argue that residential schools is where uh, where clergy sexual abuse started. It may have been elsewhere, but I think that's where it was able to run rampant. I'm under no scrutiny. I, look, there was kids couldn't even tell their parents because they couldn't they didn't have access to their parents. I mean, this was abuse in ways that most people can't even imagine, and and there was nobody to complain to. You didn't even have a community to go back to. No, you were stuck in those residential schools with these abusive nuns and priests and 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 clergy, and because it wasn't just Catholics. We have got to um, a deal with deal with the the role that assimilation has played, and the. Again, I talk about the cognitive dissonance. We're all living in a conflict. And, and I'm not even talking about some of the conflicts that, that are economic, that are climate, that are, I'm just mean psychologically. This isn't just about, you know, trying to, to bury the, the historical trauma. We aren't just living with the trauma of the past. We're living with the trauma of the present. We're still being denied. My, the last show I talked about, I says, look, it's not just racist to say, Oh, you're beneath me as a, as a distinct group. It's also racist to, to 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 refuse to recognize to recognize our distinction. I mean, that's assimilation. When you got the powers that be, or whether it's the general public, or whether it's you know a, a state legislator, or a state official, or, or a federal uh, official, saying, "Oh no, you're 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 just one of us. You know, you're one of us. You're a citizen." You're, and once you step off a territory, you're off your, your reservation, you're no different than any of us. I mean, that's, that's the, the, that's the justification for the abuse that we, uh, you know, we experience as, as native people. Because they want to say, look, we don't have to recognize you as a native person. We, we don't have to recognize, you know, treaties or rights that predate treaties. We don't have to recognize any of that stuff. We can just call you ours. You're ours whether you like it or not. We declared you were a citizen. You didn't have a choice in the matter. Well, we do have a choice in the matter. I attribute a lot of these numbers, a lot of the the conditions on our territory to this mud that we're in, in terms of identity. I say in the opening that, we're look, we discuss identity and we're going to step on a few toes along the way. I know that there's a lot of Christian native people listening to this thing saying, oh, you can't blame the church. Bullshit, I, you can't blame the church. The church and the doctrine of Christian discovery, that's where most of, most of this stuff starts. And don't tell me I can't blame the government, the government that, that, that so many of our own people are telling us to go out and vote in their elections and participate in the, uh, in the continuation of our own oppression. We're not going to vote or pray our way out of this problem. We have, we have to take ownership of some of it. And we may not be the cause but damn we've got to be the solution we can't ask for legislation to protect us what do you think they're going to pass some law that that makes it illegal to kill a uh, to kill or kidnap a native woman it's already illegal folks so every one of these new laws that the people oh we're going to send a woman to congress we're going to send somebody to congress and and they're going to fight for for new laws to to make sure that there's not gender discrimination that there's not um uh you know sexual orientation uh discrimination so there's not native discrimination so our chi- children 
you know, are are going to be be protected. Like hell, they can't they can't even stop their schools from from using racial slurs for mascots for Christ's sake. I mean, come on, they aren't going to legislate to fix anything. Most of their legislation is the problem. It was legislation that that removed us from our territories. These were these are part of the U.S. government that that offered bounties for Native people. That created the the whole residential school debacle. It was their government that was sterilizing our our women, trying to eliminate our population. So don't tell me they're going to fix it. They're going to fix it? Like hell they're going to fix it. Indian Child Welfare Act? (laughs) I mean, come on. We have to take responsibility for our children. Violence against women? We have to take responsibility for our women. We have to take responsibility for our boys and our men. They're not going to do it. And, and there is no top-down approach to it. Most of these problems are local. Now, they may be widespread, but most of the problems have to be addressed on the ground, on the streets, on our dirt roads. We have to take responsibility for this stuff. we got to recognize some of the problems. And, and again, most of those problems come right back to the fact that, that our people are so conflicted about who they are, what they are, and how and what future they see for themselves. I mean, I, I listen to people say, well, I got to admit that I vote. I vote, and it's all I can do now. Like, they think this is a temporary fix. So I'm going to vote in their elections now because I'm, I'm hoping for a better future. Not through that system, you're not. I mean, this is the United States, the, the bastion of capitalism, the, uh, the country that's destroying the environment, for crying out loud, and has been doing so for a very long time. And why? For money. So what are we going to do about it? Well, we have to start. And, you know, look, I know I talk a lot about, you know, um, developing a better and stronger sense of community. We can't live like them. We can't live like them where we can be isolated in our little in our little castles. And I'm being real liberal with that definition or description. We have to be a community. We have to care about what uh, who's next to us. We need to care about our neighbors. And if we don't, if we don't know who we're living next to, if we don't lend a helping hand, if if the first person that somebody doesn't reach out to is the closest person then we're going to continue to have suicides we're going to continue to have uh, uh, domestic violence and abuse and and look there's there's some some statistics on that too it says 84 percent of native women experience violence in their lifetime 84 percent that's that's a vast majority of native women experience violence 50, 56% experience sexual violence. So more than half the Native women are going to experience sexual violence. A third of Native women who are raped at least contemplate suicide. 13% attempt it. So, you want to cut down suicide? Well, stop the violence for crying out loud. Stop the rape. And look, Again, the numbers can all be a little bit fuzzy, but they by by some of these estimates, the violence that w- native women experience, 70% of it is uh is is not from native men. 
is from non-native men. 70%. 30% still is native men. Now, I saw, you know, somebody, you know, one of these guys on, on the Canadian side said, oh, there's no missing and murdered indigenous women. We know who's killing the women. It's their intimate partners. It's all happening within their, as, as, as from domestic violence. For one thing, bullshit. It's not all of that. But it is a lot of that. But they're, they're intimate partners. 70% of, of the violence with an intimate partner is a non-native who doesn't get prosecuted. They, they can, they can do this stuff with, with, with impunity. And that's for a variety of reasons. That's one is, you know, they're not going to provide any real law enforcement uh, investigation for a native woman who gets killed out in North Dakota. We're gonna we gotta send an FBI team to some, you know, rural native community in North Dakota. But it's not even just that. I mean, even even here in a, in a place close to the city of Buffalo, native territories that have that they're in close proximity. We see this violence all the time. Look, uh, uh, Savannah Gray when she was she was killed by her upstairs na- upstairs neighbor in um, oh what what was the town ta- the town again um, Fargo I think. I mean, look, this is these aren't just the remote territories that our native women are being uh, are being killed. I mean, it it is so easy. I mean, to uh, to pass off on. On people of color, when they are the victims of crime, because you just write it off. Well, it's it's internal, it's domestic. It's you know, let a white let a white woman experience some of this stuff, or a white man experience some of this stuff, and it's completely different. We have to work. I mean, even beyond our communities, like I said, we should have better outreach. It's hard to believe. I go to New York City each week, and look, there is the American Indian Community House, but in the overall scheme of things. A city the size of New York to not have a a well funded, well organized, and fully serviced urban native center—it's absurd. I mean, it, it's a travesty. So we should have better outreach. We should, you know, again, I talked about the the disparity in income, the fact that you can have some native territories that are very affluent and some that are very poor. How come we aren't taking more of a responsibility in sharing the wealth to mitigate uh, the, the misery for those who ha- who don't have it? Hell, we don't do it within a territory, and we don't do it from territory to territory. Now, this isn't, from a Native standpoint, we shouldn't be participating in this dog-eat-dog world. We should have a different attitude towards it. Everything in our culture says that, says that we should, <clears throat> but 200 years of forced assimilation or more than 200 years if you go back before the United States. And now, now we we self-impose it. We join their churches. We join their military. We vote in their elections. And I talked a few, a couple of shows ago about uh, about the education system. We know what the, what, that they're teaching our, our kids a bunch of bullshit. But what are we going to do to correct it? Some of that deteriorated self-esteem is is part of the system that uh, affects our kids. I mean, it isn't. Some of it can it can be caused by the media. Look, you know, one of the reasons that we have uh, such sexual violence against against our women is the sexualization of our women. 
Disney's Pocahontas. Oh, yeah, the high skirt, the low shoulder. And got a 12-year-old in, in love with this, this full-grown white man. That's the story, right? And we're supposed to accept it. And then what do they do? They, they sell Pocahontas costumes. Not, not just for little girls. And, and in fact, they don't even, it's not even Pocahontas. It's Pocahontas costumes. The, uh, the appropriation of our images for, for schools and put all the cheerleaders in cute little Pocahontas skirts. The sexualization of Native women contributes in a large way, a large way, to the, to the violence and, and sexual abuse that women experience. And look, there's no reconciliation, and there sure as hell is no truth. These are the challenges that we have, and these are the things that we can take ownership of, and we should address this. Look, I mean, there are some territories, Seneca Nation has a decent uh, mental health department. But until you have a problem, there still isn't the kind of outreach. Until you have a problem, and that, and that problem has manifested itself in some, you know, either a bad action or bad behavior or, or a legal problem, oftentimes that doesn't even have, uh, isn't even that available. So, look, we have to do more as a community, not just as, a, as these nation agencies and departments, but as neighbors, as family. We need to do more. And you look, we just have to care. And when I hear people say, well, you know, I hear, hear an awful lot of screaming and yelling in that house next door, but I don't want to put my, na- put my nose in their business. And... and what is putting your nose in uh, your nose in their business? Call, calling CPS or calling the, uh, law enforcement? We have nothing local. I mean, Seneca Nation has has um, the marshal service, and I don't envy those guys. Uh, those guys. My my son was a marshal for a while, and most of what he had to do on the on Native territory on, on in Cattaraugus here was to deal with domestic violence issues or domestic disturbance issues. Anyway, I mean, this look these these are the challenges we have. We shouldn't just wait until there's a problem. We have to be proactive. And we have to, look, we've got to catch those kids before they fall off the cliff, before they're contemplating suicide. We have to catch those kids and, and offer them some hope for the future. I don't want to write off the adults, but damn, if we're not even addressing the needs of our kids, what does that say? I mean, how are we thinking... Forget seven generations. We're not even looking at the next one. All right, we're at the bottom of the hour. We'll take a break and we, when we come back. Uh, uh, we'll go through a few more numbers and, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about... You look, I don't have the answers, but we damn sure better start asking the questions. Look, the suicide prevention uh, hotline or lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. That's a good number to have around. Um, you never know. This is John Kane. This is, this is Let's Talk Native. We're right back after this. Sixteen. Where did our sisters go? 
Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Uh, hey, let me uh, thank my sponsors, uh, um, Art Ross John and uh, Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. Eric White and the ERW Enterprises. You know, look, I a um, uh, good friend of mine, Sugar Montour, who's no longer uh, with us, um, was a a big sponsor of the show um, right from the start, going way way back. Um, and with his passing, uh, the the company that he was a part of, uh, GRE. Um, they stepped up when when Sugar wasn't doing it, you know, personally anymore. And so I want to give a thanks to those those folks for supporting the show as well. And look, I've had a, a bunch of people along the way. We're in our tenth year here, and I've had a bunch of businesses from various places: Tandanega, uh, um, uh, Six Nations, you know, Cattaraugus, Allegheny, Tonawanda. I've had uh, Tuscarora. I've had people from many native communities, even even a little bit from Akwesasne, as far away as that. So. Uh, we I've had a few individuals, you know, from various places that uh, that have contributed, and, and I appreciate it. It enables us to do what we do here. And um, some of these conversations, look, I know they're tough conversations, and this subject matter is one of the toughest because this isn't just about loss of life. This is about giving up on life. This is about being at a place where where the idea of taking your life somehow becomes a reasonable option i i mean it's for those who have never contemplated suicide it's hard for it's it's hard for many of us to fathom the idea and of course 
suicide has terrible consequences. Not only, obviously, it's it's the, the end of a life. It, and oftentimes, a young life. You know, we aren't talking about the 80-year-olds doing this stuff. We're talking about, you know, some some of our kids. You know, in their teens and 20s and 30s. That, and and when, and when this happens, it doesn't just leave a hole in a community. And I'm not just talking about the, you know, the suicide packs that I mentioned earlier. Just one, one suicide in a community impacts a, a family in ways, you know, where, where they start looking to blame themselves or blame others. And it's not, it's not to say that there isn't blame, but that none of that stuff fixes the problem. And the problem oftentimes is, is not just solely about the one individual commit suicide. It's it's community wide. It's it's across native territories because of U.S. policies. It's a, it's across territories on the Canadian side because of Canadian policies. The abuses that our people have gone through and continue to go through. Look, we we have a higher incidence of death by cop for our men than anybody else as a proportion of our population. I mean, there, there's one demographic in that 16 to 22, I think, age group that were, were um, young black men die at a higher rate than the native. But all the other uh, all the other age groups that they mentioned this stuff, native people are, are the highest as a percentage of our population. Not, not a, the total number, but as a percentage of our population. Prison populations. Yeah, everybody talks about how high... The, the the prison population is for black people and, and it's disproportionate for black people but it oftentimes it's even more disproportionate for native people because our population is so small on the canadian side it's something like 20 to 25 percent of the of the prison population for women in canada are native women how the hell does that happen i mean you can't just say that that native people or people of color are born criminals. What is it in society that 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 puts us in this situation? Look, I listened to Joe Biden when he was railing to you know, to pass the, the the crime bill back when he was a senator. I don't care what causes it. I just care that my family is in jeopardy because of these young thugs. Is the way he put it. Well, you damn well better care what causes it. I mean, we're going to attribute mental health to every white person who picks out, uh, picks up an AR-15 and, and blasts, you know, twenty or thirty people. But we're still going to characterize people of color as just thugs, as criminals, not mentally ill. We're going to ignore the fact that we lead in uh, in in the highest poverty, in, in the highest unemployment, in the in the highest substance abuse, in the highest suicide. We're going to ignore all that stuff. And we're just going to attribute a, a label. We're going to call you a savage, you know, a a godless savage, or some you know some other you know rhetoric that they want to apply to native people. Well, you know, I'll tell you, the whole god thing hasn't exactly helped us out much either. And and I'm sorry, like I said, we don't do prayers here, but we do advocate actually doing something. And in this situation, we have to be more. Every one of us has to has to be willing to to be a counselor of some sort, whether it's to our children or our grandchildren, 
or our siblings or our cousins or our neighbors. Look, it's the folks that are closest to um, an incident that are, are the first line. And like I said, we do have to be reactive, but at some point we have to decide that we're going to be proactive, that we're going to do more, that we're going to care about our neighbors, and we're going to care about our friends and our relatives. So, look, sorry, are there easy answers? No, I mean, look, we have experienced the longest-lasting genocide the world has ever has ever seen, and we're still experiencing it. Look, they're not they're not necessarily shooting us in, in, in massacres, but when you look at the at the death toll from suicide and substance abuse and you know, death by cop, missing and murdered indigenous women, they're still killing us. And if you take away somebody's hope for the future, you're leaving somebody ripe for death. So we have to do more as a community. You know, we have to take it. We can't keep asking or expecting that we're going to vote for somebody who's going to fix the problem for us. I mean, especially voting for the, on the outside election. Look, we can get into a debate about elective systems on, on our territories or you know, traditional systems. Look, we need to fix both of those because I see a lot of territories that claim to be led by traditional government that are, that are failing their people miserably. I, I remember going to Onondaga one time and, and I listened to some of the chiefs saying, we don't know the problems that you have in your other territories because we don't know strife here in Onondaga. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? You have the gall to stand in front of a bunch of people and say that the people of Onondaga don't know strife? We all know strife. We all know that there has been, you know, uh, this effort to reduce our territories as simply the place that we go back to go home to sleep. Forget about an economy. We don't need no stinking economy. Well, we need something to sustain ourselves. And if the only thing we can do is sell ourselves to the white man, sell ourselves to the church, sell ourselves to the military, sell ourselves to the you know to their corporation, to their to the capitalist system, then we're going to continue to do the same thing. I mean it's the definition of of insanity to keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. We have to change things up. We have to reach reach out more to our friends and our neighbors when we see somebody struggling look I, i've got friends in the music industry you know some of you know and some of them are guests on my shows and i know those guys in music they struggle a lot you know part of their creativity that comes from whether they're hip-hop or they're blues artists whatever they are some of their creativity is born out of their struggle but if we're just going to be fans and we're not going to be friends, then we're not helping. And if we don't look at our young at our young men, our boys, and our young women, our girls, and realize that we can't shelter them from problems, and then all of a sudden expect them to, to figure out how they're going to handle themselves in, in the deep end of life, we better start preparing our kids for what's coming. 
and there is economic collapse coming. There is climate change coming. One of my friends, my my buddy Matt here, posted something on there about um, uh, about climate change. When do we realize that uh, that it's climate change is inevitable? Well, look, we got to start preparing for it now. And you know what? That preparation, even for catastrophe, can be what binds us. It can be what 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 brings us together and lifts us up. But if we don't do some of that, if we don't start bringing our loved ones closer to us and start developing a plan for the future, I'm not saying we got we got just have to plan for Armageddon. I mean, some of the plans might be as simple as putting a garden in. I mean, getting together, spending time socializing, not just socializing at the, at the local bar on or off territory. Look, there has to be more to life than just... Than, than getting plastered every weekend. We need to to play a bigger role in shunning the kind of destructive behavior that's destroying our communities. Because like I said, some of that substance abuse doesn't just lead to suicide. It is the suicide. Now, that's an uncomfortable thing to to take. And look, I'm sorry. I'm not going to buy into the bullshit that our lives have been, you know, uh, have already been laid out by the creator. And then if we're going to die tomorrow, we're going to die tomorrow no matter what. No, I'm sorry. We have the power of choice and the power of reason. We weren't cast at birth to live so many days. Look, when we do, sometimes in the funeral, we say a person has lived all their days. It doesn't mean that that was predetermined. I mean, that's an absurd proposition to to suggest. That, that, there's nothing we can do to to prolong our lives. Well, I mean, that that's like saying you know, live live like like today's your last day. Live like there's no tomorrow because somebody else has already determined that up in the heavenly sky. Bullshit. Creation provided us with life. Creation didn't map out our deaths or limit our days. We have a lot of control over that. But if we're going to cede that control to to church, to God, to government, to Donald Trump, or, or Andrew Cuomo, bullshit. We have to take responsibility because if we want rights, we have to have responsibilities. If we want a higher quality of life, we've got to create the higher quality of life. Nobody's going to do it for us. And a higher quality of life doesn't mean just throwing more money at it. <laughs> money money may very well be the problem. Now I'm not saying that we should all, you know, forego all of our, you know, all of our savings or all of our income. But we better start thinking about, you know, like on Labor Day, I talked about how, you know, why how can you celebrate labor now? We're working our asses off. We're working 60 we we got mom and dad working 60 70 hours a week. For the, for the same quality of life that uh, you know that in the fifties and sixties and seventies, the you know one income in a household could do. Why? It's because we've reduced our quality of life to a number, to a tax return, to a yearly salary, weekly salary. 
we have to we've got to figure out what we can do to raise the quality of life look we we can do things like sports programs and we can do that stuff but not everybody's an athlete and frankly <laughs> we're not even really doing that well with that we we have sometimes have a hard time getting parents involved in, in doing more look and i applaud the ones who are so this is by no means meant to be disparaging to the parents who do work with kids for little league or or, or uh, pee wee lacrosse or pee wee football or any of, any of that stuff. I'm not criticizing those. I'm criticizing the ones who don't. I'm criticizing the ones who are looking for someplace to drop their kids off so they don't have to deal with them. You know what? But and even those parents need help. I mean, sometimes they do need to drop their kids off. But not to go uh, get ready to party for the weekend. So we need to embrace our friends, our peers. And well, look, we need to apply some pressure and make sure that we're all trying to do better by not just our kids, but each other's kids. Look, I know some of this stuff sounds so simplistic, and it's not. It is really hard to break a cycle. Look, we had over 100 years of residential schools that were specifically designed to dis- to destroy our families, to cut ties with with children to their parents, sons with their fathers, daughters with their mothers, their grandparents. None of that stuff. It, it severed that completely. I mean, in some cases, obviously, plenty of plenty of kids died. Some of the mortality rate at some of these residential schools was in excess of fifty percent. But not all the ones that not all the ones who survived residential schools really survived residential schools. They carried. Man, they carried some trauma because they didn't know how to be parents after that. They didn't know how to be grandparents. They didn't know how to talk to their kids and their and their neighbors. They didn't know how to do any of that stuff because they were bottled up and they were and they were told to told to just take it, take the beatings, take the sexual abuse, take the psychological abuse, take the isolation. When we talk about isolation of a native territory, what could be more isolated than being stripped from your family and locked in a residential school? for four, five, six years at a time. This isn't about brooding about the past. And we can't, and look, there's, there's plenty of room to do that. And we should clear the air with some of this stuff. I'm all for doing some 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 truth-telling. I'm not the healing circles. I'm not talking about that. But, but look, let's try to console each other. But you know, the real consolation is going to come from from building something not brooding over the misery. That misery, that experience, that genocide is the reason we should do more. It's not the reason to 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 drink it up, shoot it up, snort it up, smoke it up. They know that's we're 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 looking for those wrong solution, the wrong the wrong coping mechanisms. The best way to cope with a problem is to solve the problem. Is to address the need not escape from it not escape from it for a couple of hours and not escape from it by ending your life these are are look these are some very very real problems we're faced with folks but as ed schindler always says most of these things are only symptoms of the problem and we're afraid to look at the problem look I live in a community here where where there is just excessive wealth amongst a few and abject poverty for many. 
In some communities, like I said, those lines are clearly drawn between those who work for tribal councils. On the, on the Canadian side, look, if you didn't have a job with a band office, then you probably didn't have a job. So all the nicer houses, all the more affluent. And look, and affluence didn't mean they had a higher quality of life. It just means they had more money to waste and throw away. I've seen, the, I've seen how some of the people live. And why do we live that way? It's it's hard it's it's hard to understand why even the folks with money can be so wasteful while there's people who have so little who have nothing to waste but that's what you see and part of it is look we we haven't had money or that affluence so money or people don't even know how to handle it look we we've got you know, there there are many native territories that have annuity checks of some sort whether it's from gaming or whether it's from you know, whatever. I mean, uh, from these, you know, Indian, Indian, uh, Indian individual money accounts or whatever they're called. I mean, the, uh, that the, that the BIA mismanaged. I mean, look, we had, I mean, look at, look at the Osage who were the most, they were the wealthiest people possibly on the planet, but certainly in the United States during the 1920s in that era, because they had all this oil wealth. And you know what, what did it lead to? It led to the Osage murders. I mean, it, it it led to some of the worst abuses a native people could have ever experienced where where white men would literally marry into a native terror into a native home marry a native woman have kids with her with the explicit intent of stealing the money we're going to use the kids because she dies look they were they'd marry a woman have kids murder the woman and because the kids even if he wasn't an heir to the head rights the kids were he could control it and you know what? That came out of federal policy too, because you know what? The federal government said, eh, the Osage can't manage their own money. So we're going to assign every Osage with, uh, with head rights a, um, a guardian. We're going to treat them as if they're just, you know, um, disabled. So we're going to give a white man the right to, to, uh, deal with their money for them, which just led to theft. So, look, and my point with this is even when we've had money, I mean, and the Osage wasted tons of money. They, I mean, they didn't know. They didn't manage their money well either. And, of course, their guardians didn't help any either. They lived pretty well. And, you know, look, we have gaming dollars now. And we find ourselves in, in you know, placed in these, in these impossible conflicts with the states who are trying to rape us for the even for gaming revenue, and it's hard to get an audience. It's hard to get native people to step up. It's hard to get the non-native people to to even understand what the conflict's over. I mean, there are a lot of white people who think, yeah, the Seneca should just pay the state. You know what? There's probably some native people who think they should just pay it. And why? And I'll tell you, they don't really think they should pay it. There are probably some native people who say, you know, it's better to pay it because otherwise they're going to shut us down. We don't want to. We don't want to lose what we have, so let's just pay the extortion fees. No, I mean th- that's really some of the attitude, because we are still beaten down like that. This is what causes the conditions that lead to the unemployment rate being so high, to the the, the high school dropout rate, the teen pregnancy rate, the substance abuse, the suicide. And again, a lot of the missing and murdered indigenous women issues and, and, and missing and murdered indigenous men issues is, is tied to the risky behavior that some of our people 
um, take up because there is so very little hope for the, their, their prospect for the future on the territories that they live on. They're desperate to get out. I mean, the part of the reason that we have, we have such a, a high percentage of our people living in, in cities and living off of our native territories is because they look at the native territories as the ghettos they're trying to escape. And so, and when they find themselves in a situation where, they're, where they don't have a community around them, living in a city, whether it's Fargo, you know, San Francisco, L.A., New York, wherever. We are primed for victimhood. Because nobody's going to care. We're just a person of color living in a city. We have to do more. I mean, and look, I can't put it any, any simpler than that. I want to remind people, I want to give out the suicide, uh, the National Suicide Prevention uh, Lifeline again. It's, it's 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Look, if, if, you, if you're struggling and, uh, and are even contemplating it, give the number a call. If you know somebody who's struggling or who's at risk, give the number a call. We, sh- we shouldn't we shouldn't be mourning the deaths of people who um, who lost hope. And you know what? It isn't just their fault they lost hope. We all have some responsibility for that. It's not that we can provide the happiness for other people, but we should at least work to create create a condition for a, for you know a better lifestyle. Our quality of life has to improve, and we can't rely on the state or the federal government to provide us with the means or the path to a higher quality of life. They're not going to do it. For one, they're not. They're simply just not going to do it. That's not. We're not a high enough priority for them. Even though, like I said, we're lo- we're low hanging fruit. It'd be easy for the federal government. To, uh, to address some of the crimes that was committed against our people. It'd be easy for them to come up with some, some means for reconciliation. At very least, it would be easy for them to get the freak out of our way so our commerce can be conducted native to native, that we can do the things on our territory that they're going to do anyway. You know, tobacco, cannabis, booze, whatever. They're going to do that stuff anyway out there. And I'm not suggesting that those are the only things we should do, but oftentimes we are so restricted on our territories to 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 enter into um, you know various forms of commerce. We not only have to fight the state, we have to we have to fight for federal approval on some. Now we don't do that here, but I've heard I've heard some of the stories out you know out west, where where a tribal council. Can't even pass a resolution if they don't have a federal Indian agent on the premises. Or if they do pass a resolution, it's got to be passed by the BIA first. Or afterwards, I'm sorry. Look, we need to strip some of that stuff away. We need less of the state, and we need less of the of the federal government. And, and like I said, we're not going to vote our way out of this stuff. So all you people saying, oh, we need to get out the vote, we need to make sure that Donald Trump isn't the president, uh, isn't the president you know, for the next four years. You know what? Sure, Donald Trump's an asshole. Okay, all right. 
we we could all agree on that. But Obama's the one who uh, who proposed the the Dakota Access Pipeline. Obama deported more people than Donald Trump. Obama killed more people with drone strikes than than Trump. If you were to try to create who uh, who has committed war crimes, Trump's probably committed less war crimes. Look, he's obnoxious, and I mean he's he's incompetent. He's all that stuff. But don't tell me Donald Trump is our problem. He's your problem. We got problems at home. We've got suicides going on at home. And and the next president, I don't care who the hell it is, isn't going to fix that problem. We're not going to vote our way out of these problems, and we're not going to pray our way out of these problems. So let's do what we can. All right, that wraps it up for me. Look, this is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. You can look, look for the show on a podcast uh, and on our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Native TV. And uh, we just started up an Instagram uh, account. So that's Let's Talk Native TV, too. So you look for us on Instagram. You can follow us, and we'll use Instagram to post some, uh, at least some video shorts and some trailers and, uh, and maybe some pics along the way. So um, look for us on, on, look, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on YouTube. So if you, you have to avoid me <laughs> if you don't want to see me. So, so I'm easy to find. Uh, look, thanks for listening. And we'll see you, uh, well, I'll be in, I'll be in New York on Thursday and we'll be back here on Saturday. Yahweh.